The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello there, my friends, and a welcome into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. So glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm your host, and really, really looking forward to to this episode with you here today. And as we as we step into a new week, a new day, hope you're being gentle with yourself out there and, and taking it all one moment at a time. Today on the podcast, what an honor it is for me to have Jack Jablonski joining us. Jack recently, at the beginning of September, opened up publicly about his sexuality, opening up about identifying as a gay man. And I know for those of you listening who are from Minnesota, you have likely heard of Jack Jablonski. Uh, If you have not heard of Jack, um, Jack was paralyzed from the, the chest down after a hit that he took during a high school hockey game. In Minnesota, this was back in 2011, and the the world, the hockey world, especially the hockey world in Minnesota, has been kind of looking in on on his recovery ever since. And and Jack has done such incredible work, um, founding the Jack Jablonski Foundation, which is is aimed at advancing treatments for paralysis recovery, and. Um, this this most recent announcement on his part is kind of the latest chapter in his story of allowing the world to to be part of his process in 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 many ways and so just an honor to to have him joining us he uh he currently lives in Los Angeles so he's in he's in the sun and we talk a little bit about that coming up here in the, in the episode but he's currently working for the Los Angeles Kings in the NHL. And kind of a, a fun little connection here. His brother and my brother are actually roommates in, in California. And so that certainly played a little bit into this opportunity to be able to sit down and have this conversation with Jack. And so I hope that this serves you in some way out there, my friends. You know, we, we go into a number of different things in this conversation. We talk about when he started noticing this this piece of himself and, and his sexuality. We talk about why he has decided to make the decision to, to open up and then come out publicly. We talk more about what was a, a really dark period of, of Jack's life, 
uh, pretty recently that he went through in the process of learning to accept and embrace this part of himself. And so I know through Jack sharing, um, he's going to help a lot of people. And again, I hope that this conversation serves you in some way. It was an honor to chat with him. And so let's go ahead and begin. Jack, thank you so much for, for carving out some time to, to connect today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. And um, obviously with uh, the brotherly connections that we have, of, yeah. uh, of course I will. Jack, I want to just, I mean, I don't even know if there's probably words to describe it, but but how would you describe kind of what the last few weeks have been like for you in your life? Yeah, it's, um, I think the best way that I've been able to put it is just overwhelming in the best possible way. Um, yeah. You know, in preparation towards publicly, you know, announcing that I was gay, I knew that there would be a response. You just never knew how big. Um, and you mm-hmm. never knew what the response would be. Obviously, I hoped it would be positive and supportive, and thank God it was uh, in you know the ninety nine percentile, and, and that's you know what the hope would be. So, um, yeah. I, I'm obviously very grateful for all of the support, um, but it's been quite overwhelming. Uh, but all again, all in the best positive way. Yeah. Going back to that day that you actually decided to put that post out on on social mm-hmm. media, what was that day like for you? Um, you know, up early, obviously, with uh, uh, being on the West Coast, you know, everything was kind of planned out in terms of timing. So I knew, you know, basically it was just preparation up until, you know, you click send, essentially, at, uh, I think it was 8 a.m. our time. I don't even remember at this point. But um, uh you know, it was super stressful because, you know, you open up more vulnerability. And obviously that's been something that I've gone through and live with, with paralysis in terms of vulnerability and, you know, telling our story publicly and obviously being in the public eye, especially in Minnesota, um, you know, it pros and cons. And I knew, but for me in this case, and I know we'll get to it, um, it was just Mm -hmm. the right thing for me to do. And, um, you know, leading up to that day, it was a matter of just, you know, click send and then just yeah, uh, obviously yeah. refresh, 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 refresh on, on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah. obviously then the ball got rolling and, um, uh, it, you know, it was great, but obviously very nerve wracking. Yeah. Did you stay connected to social media most of that day or did you kind of give yourself some breaks? From- uh, yeah, it, mostly pretty on top of it, but very much so just, you know, like put the phone away for a little bit and you know, go get lunch or, or whatnot with some friends and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. you know, it, obviously I wanted to stay on top of it cause I didn't really want to miss anything, but at the same time, mm-hmm. um, so much going on and so hard to keep up with the way that it exploded, yeah. that it was best that I kind of just step away for a little bit and, and let it just yeah. do its thing. It was really cool. I mean, I, I just have to tell you, it was like when I saw that just so inspiring and, and, and so happy for you, right, that you had gotten to that point. And I know that there's been, been a whole journey that's gotten you there. And we'll talk about that coming up. But it was so neat to to look at so all the people that were responding. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, the, the Minnesota Wild, yeah. like other teams in the NHL tweeting about it. Were, yeah. were, there, were there any responses or people that you heard from that 
surprised you or were like, wow, that's pretty incredible? Yeah, you know, I I didn't want to go in with any expectations because I really didn't know how big it would be or or what kind of response in terms of the people that would be reaching out. And, and yeah. for me, um, you basically, I just hoped that the community that had been behind me, whether it was Minneapolis or whether it was hockey or you know, the people throughout the, the world that have stayed in contact or followed my recovery. Um, th- the main hope was just that those people would continue to stay on board with who I was and, mm-hmm. and follow my journey. Everything else on top of it was essentially just, you know, yeah. extra or, you know, even more happiness. or um, So I didn't really think about it to be honest because i just didn't want to set expectations and and, um which is rare because normally i i always set goals and expectations throughout my life but um you know when the other teams in the nhl started tweeting about it or the nhl account um you know those were all pretty surprising just because you know it became a national story and it was on nhl.com's front page and stuff like that and um a lot of you know individuals reached out as well so um, quite, um, you know, again, I go back to the word overwhelming, but at the same time, um, surprising, uh, you know, in, in certain areas as well. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to do it? Why, why did you decide to, to make that, that statement public? Yeah. Uh, you know, I go back to when, uh, I got injured and I wish I knew who the person was because they helped us a lot. Um, but someone told us, in my family, you know, because of how big this has gotten right after mm-hmm. the injury, someone's going to tell your story and it might as well be you because you want to control your narrative. And it's not to say there was another narrative here because there's only one. But for me, you know, we as a family and obviously me personally have been in the public eye for 11 years almost now. And, um, we've been able to continue to tell the story and and keep people updated on the things that we choose to. For Mm -hmm. me, when it came to publicly coming out, um, I felt personally that it was the best way for me to be able to move forward and be who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, It was uh, was a tough decision and it was a very frightening decision to make, but I just had to do it because I felt – being able to come out and say who I was in a world where I'm in the NHL, I work in the NHL, I work around the players, I work in the locker room. Um, and on top of that, you know, I am who I am. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to tell people who I was so that I could move forward and start a new chapter in my life. Um, not living in the shadows or having secrets, you know, moving yeah. forward or, or whatever it may be. And it was the best way for me to be able to just start fresh and be happy because I felt mm-hmm. that if I hadn't done it that way and for whatever way things progressed moving forward, um, it was going to come out eventually because of who I was, whether it be mm-hmm. a big deal or not. Um, I just wanted to move forward at this point in my life to be able to, to have happiness. <laughs> So going back, Jack, do, do you, I, I always find that 
you know, I mean, it's like in my own story, I remember it was kind of around sixth grade where I started to notice like, okay, huh, I'm having like a crush on my <laughs> friend who's a boy and that's quote unquote, not normal. Like that, I remember yeah. that was kind of like an early time in my life where I was like, is there something different about me? Like what's going on here? Yeah. D- did you start to have like when in your life did you start to notice that that this was kind of a piece of who you were do you yeah. have a sense of that yeah yeah i do um i agree that this is always a very fascinating topic for everyone who is gay because yeah. it's just like everyone's different and for me totally. like and i think you as well like it came full circle very late in my life like mm-hmm. for me it was essentially the beginning of covid where the light bulb went off and it was like yep oh okay but you look back and i think it's hindsight 2020 and for me i think it began 14 15 or probably like 14 maybe Mm -hmm. a little around then and that was just kind of like the it wasn't like i had a crush or anything but it was like i was like why am i thinking this or you know like that's not normal and it's like for me and and again i say this to no fault of anybody's own I didn't grow up around anyone who was gay. There was no, you know, gay couple or, you know, kids in my grade that were out and about, you know, times were a little bit different when we were growing up and, you know, you in North Dakota and me in Minnesota, it was just not to say it wasn't accepted. It just, for me, it just wasn't around my life at all. So when these thoughts kind of started popping up, you know, there was no one I could go to or talk to or be like, yo, are you feeling this too? Or do you think yeah. this or whatnot? Yeah. Um, and for me as a, a four sport outstanding athlete, in my head, I was like, well, that's not going to last. Like, yeah, like that doesn't exist in my world. And, and I grew up around it in terms of sports and it was mm-hmm. just a very straight masculine world and still is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I enjoy my time in sports but um few and far between and that's obviously one of the other reasons uh, i also came out it was to just help normalize it or to help the next person going through it because there are people out there whether it's a person in the nhl who sees it and isn't out or it's a kid who's 14 who's going through exactly what we went through you just want to help make that road easier for them absolutely because it i think what breaks my heart so much about the conversation is that you know, that we both kind of literally said this, the same thing, like, oh, yeah. that's not normal. Like, yeah. like, it's like this turning against ourselves at a very young age when mm-hmm. this is actually just a very normal, natural, healthy part of who we are. But it yeah. becomes when we don't have that, you know, when we live in the society that we do, um, we turn on ourselves. And then that creates mm-hmm. a lot of shame, at least it did for me for a long time. Yeah, it's a feeling of there's something bad or there's <sighs> something wrong going on here. Yeah, you know, for me, I never felt like it was, like, something bad. Mm. It was always, to me, it was, like, almost to the point where it was, like, oh, that can't be a part of me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just not, that's not what I'm supposed to be, or whatever it was. And, um, you know, you go through a lot of emotions and thoughts, and, you know, when you keep it in, essentially, for me, for, you know, 10, 11 years in terms of looking back, uh, mm-hmm. as I think a lot of us can relate to, it gets very dark and lonely. Yeah. And that's what you just hope to minimize for the next person. Yes. 
And I want to I want to talk a little bit about kind of that dark and lonely place that I yeah. know you've mentioned. I've heard you mention this before, too, in some of the other interviews that you've done. Um, what did that dark and lonely space look like for you? Jack? Yeah, well, for me, um, I'm fortunate I live pretty close to the beach. And yeah. during COVID, when all of this kind of came to fruition and, you know, the light went off, as I mentioned, um, you know, at first I didn't want it to be true because of everything I've gone through. And I knew that, um, and I obviously told this to Jana, as, as you know, mm-hmm. um, I knew that upon realization and to where I knew I had to get for happiness, mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to deal with that, that journey to get there mm-hmm. of accepting it, talking about it, Mm-hmm. getting to the point where you're proud of who you are again. Um, and that was, was really difficult. You know, it took over a year to be able to say it out loud upon yeah. realization. And for me, it would be, you know, during the times of COVID down by the beaches, it was really quiet because at times we weren't even allowed to go on the beach. So I'd go for mm-hmm. walks at night just to get some fresh air because, you know, you're stuck inside all day. Or you're just, you know, you're not ar- moving around because of COVID. So I'd go on a walk and it would be late at night. And for me, it was just like there were times that you just didn't want to deal with it and you just wanted it to be over. And for me, it was a matter of the thoughts of, you know, why don't I just go up five blocks to Pacific Coast Highway and just put myself in front of a car and yeah. just be done? Because yeah. it was so hard mentally to accept, overcome, and know how much I had to work on myself mm-hmm. to be able to get to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. What helped you through that time? Uh, therapy. Finally mm-hmm. saw a therapist, which was life-changing, um, as well as just being able to talk to my, you know, f- tell my friend, my best friend to start. And then because of the overwhelmingly positive reaction, I was slowly able to kind of start opening up to other people that I trusted and wanted them mm-hmm. to know. Um, but I really think therapy was the the, the first thing that, that really helped me. Um, take those steps forward and you know it's different for everyone but i couldn't be more of a um supporter of of you know talking to a therapist when you need to because for me i don't know where i'd be if i didn't yeah and that so that first person that you told like those are such sacred things like yeah. I, think, I think back to like the first person in my life that i that i told and i i, yeah. I came out for the first time actually to a friend over facebook in college like <laughs> i couldn't even say it in person i like me neither I sent yeah a facebook message and yeah. and that was what like kind of got the ball rolling mm-hmm. a little bit um, yeah what do you remember about that experience of like for the first time like telling somebody yeah for me um summer 2021 it was july junior july um and i was the same way like i couldn't say it out loud yeah and it took me a very long time um to be able to get to that point to be able to say it um Mm -hmm. but it was just text messages you know a long text just being able to finally open up and mm-hmm. you know it was just one of those it was funny because it was at that time i was like still couldn't 
I mean, I knew it, but I couldn't say it even in a text where I think I responded with like, I'm not straight <laughs> opposed to yeah. saying I was gay yeah. because I just couldn't get to that point at that time. But the, no. the, the response was great. It was to my best friend who I've been best friends with since the age of like five. Mm. Um, you know, he lives on the other side of the, um, uh, of the States now, but we're still in contact and, you know, it's funny because as close as we are, vulnerabilities weren't always a thing that we hmm. were able to share with each other for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, obviously in this case, you know, he was the number one person that I wanted to talk and talk to. Um, and, you know, again, the the support and the acceptance and happiness that he came back with in terms of response, um, you know, was able to help me move forward and, and start telling more people. Beautiful. And so what a, what a, an incredible lesson in being that safe person for somebody when somebody mm-hmm. comes out to you, like yeah. how powerful that is to have, have that be met with like open arms and, yeah. and how much that can propel somebody forward through the process versus a hundred percent. I mean, if no matter which shoes you're in, if you're the one telling someone or if someone tells you, um, you know, it just shows how much that you mean to them or they mean to you um, because of such a sacred, vulnerable thing to open up about. And for me, you know, there was no one else I could even think of that I wanted to tell first because of everything that we had been through as friends and, you know, yeah, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, no, I couldn't preach that and uh, second that enough in terms of, um the importance of your response to someone who tells you and it doesn't even have to be about sexuality it can be anything yeah. and i think it it shows how important that that thing that you respond to can take them on a path one way or the other jack says it was a year or two before his injury that he started questioning his sexuality His life, of course, changing drastically, though, during that hockey game on December 30th, over 10 years ago. With the injury, sexuality just got put on hold for years because it was all about recovery. Obviously, the first year, you're only thinking about health and and recovery and your future and just figuring your life out with paralysis. Because once you leave the hospital, everything's live and learn. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a smooth ride once you get out because you're learning how to live without caregiving, depending on the level of injury, obviously. But for me, it was living how to live my life and function as a student and as a, you know, you know, a player coach on the hockey team and, um, you know, friendships and trust with them taking care of you or you going places with them and not, having you know this or that happen so for me it was there was just no thought process about who i was sexually and at that time i mean to be frank i was just embarrassed about who i was physically so it wasn't like i was trying to pursue you know anything crazy you know in terms of, of finding a significant other um and obviously girls were on the mind and it was like one of those things where it was like like throughout high school pre and post injury like in my head it was like 
like I was attracted to girls mm-hmm. as their personality. Like they're beautiful, yes, but I was mm-hmm. never attracted anything further. And, and nope. that's where, you know, come 2021 or 2020, you're like, okay, this makes more sense now. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I, so it sounds like COVID, it was like, that was kind of the aha moment of, I'm going to actually kind of let myself say this to myself. Like this is. Yeah. I mean, I f- for me, I graduated from USC uh, yep. in 2019, in December. So I graduated in the middle of the year and then I went home for Christmas and then started up full-time with the LA Kings in January, mm-hmm. 2020. I interned for them for four years and in college and knew I was going to start full-time with them once I graduated. And so I come to Hermosa beach where I live now and Mm -hmm. it's on the other side of town from downtown. Um, and I don't really know anyone Mm -hmm. except for a few people here and there through the hockey world and the connections that I had prior. So COVID hits and you just have no, you don't really have anything going on. So you have a lot of alone time. And I've said this before when I'm talking about paralysis. For me, when you're alone, your your mind goes to a bad place with the injury. Yeah. Because it's you you when you're not around people, and that's why I just try to always stay busy or distract myself. Because when your mind just sits there and races and you're doing nothing, it just, you know, you think about the what ifs in the world or you know, why me? And, um, you know, obviously I try to have a smile on my face as much as possible, but, you know, let's not act like everyone in the world is, you know, happy with everything they have. And um, I'm very grateful for everything, obviously, but, Hmm. you know, you still have those moments. And I think just all the time individually um, by myself and the thinking and your thoughts and your mind races, it just kind of clicked. And I, I wish I had that you know exact aha Mm -hmm. moment but at that point it was just kind of like a okay yeah oh shit or i don't know if i can say that here sorry of course um you can can say whatever you want jack (laughs) yeah um just that oh you know bleep moment of okay this is me and then you know chaos ensued mentally internally for the next essentially 12 months yeah life slowed down where you couldn't run from it it did. And you yeah. couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't distract yourself. So it just got darker and darker as you yeah. realized what the future really held. And that yeah. was, you know, the journey to get to where I am today. What'd you learn about yourself during, during that time of um, the darkness and, and the hard things that it sounds like you really went through? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think for me, you know, I, because of the the support that I've had and the community that has been so helpful and the people that have reached out and stuck by my side um, mm-hmm. throughout the 10 years of my injury, I basically deflect and still do a lot of, you know, the accomplishments that I've had off of myself to mm-hmm. other people and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today with without blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's all true. But I just never really gave myself credit. And I think I just finally accepted that, like, okay, I got myself through this by making decisions on my own. Um, and obviously, again, with so much help from others, therapists, everyone who I talked to that was supportive. Um, 
leading up to you know uh september 7th and and that was kind of for me just like a proud moment of of mm-hmm. knowing i you know i really had no one but myself to really credit for being able to get to where i am Do you have anybody else's story that inspired you kind of when it came to, to being gay or, or people that you kind of looked up to? I know that some of those, Im- those those figures can be maybe few and far between in sports. Obviously, we're getting more and more of them. But yeah. is there anybody that really kind of helped pave the way for you? Yeah. So there were a few people. Um, the first one is a guy by the name of Lucas Prokop. And mm-hmm. he is... Uh, he was drafted by the Nashville Predators, I believe, three drafts ago. Um, and just over a year and change ago, he came out publicly, which made him like the first player essentially in the NHL organizations that was publicly out. Um, he's not in the NHL, but he's working his way towards there. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I reached out to him throughout this journey after I... Um, started telling some friends and just kind of picked his brain, you know, how did the predators, you know, support you? How did that go? How did, you know, they make you feel, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I, he didn't totally understand who I was because he didn't, you know, know the history of it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I tried to explain it and he was super supportive and his responses were all positive, which made me, more confident that when I knew I had to talk to the Kings and, and manage all that, um, that there would be support. And then um, the other one that I, that stuck with me, I believe uh, his name is Carl Nassib. He played in the, he plays in the NFL. Yeah. He was on Oakland um, when he came out, I think it was like two years ago or something. Um, And I think just his positivity about it really stuck with me. Um, and for me, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, in 2011, 2012, I don't know how I would have reacted if, like, say, my good friend told me that they were mm. gay. Like, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't a part of my life. I didn't know anyone who was. I didn't. I wasn't surrounded by anyone who was gay. So I don't know how I would would have reacted if, you know, my best friend told me. No. But you look 10 years down the road to, to now – and um, it's changed so much, you know, it's so much more accepted, which is great. Um, you know, you obviously feel bad for everyone that's mm-hmm. had to go through it prior with the world and, and how it wasn't evolved at the time. But for me, you know, it was it was a great feeling to be able to know that it's accepted. I'm also in Los Angeles where it's obviously extremely accepted um, Mm -hmm. and Minneapolis, which is a a good place as well. So um, yeah, they, they definitely paved the way and and there's many more people, men and women that have, have gone through it and been, you know, great advocates for it. Um, And I've said this before, I'm not, you know, out to say, Hey, we need more gay people in hockey. It's like mm-hmm. that's not how it works. If you are and you're in hockey, you know, by all means, be proud of who you are and don't act like you can't because you are. Um, so I, I think the acceptance is, has been huge, and, and seeing that through Carl and through Lucas definitely 
um, influenced my ability to be who I wanted to be and to come out publicly. Well, and I have no doubt that your story is going to going to be that for other people now, you it's know, the hope. Whether, you, whether you feel that yeah. or not, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's the reality of what I think is so beautiful about, about coming out, right, is because I, yeah. I think a lot of people do kind of question sometimes, like, we shouldn't have to do this anymore, and all of that. And, and I, I can see some of that, that, that argument, but I, I think being able to kind of light the way for other people 100%. Um, is and- so powerful. Yeah, and obviously the same goes for you, Brian. Obviously, with a career in TV on, on Care Eleven, and and you know the pressures that I know you've been through internally and externally, you know, no matter how big anyone is, whether it's you know a professional athlete or Ellen DeGeneres to, mm-hmm. you know, a a kid in school at the age of you know fourteen, like, yeah, you know, no matter who you are, you can influence someone positively or negatively, and you know that goes yeah. beyond sexuality. It's just a matter of you know, understanding that people are watching, if you do things the right way, if you respect others, that it has a huge influence, no matter where you think of it or not. Yeah. And I, th- I remember that was something that when I was coming out, um, I came out when I was 22. So I, there was a long time for me too, from middle school, when I kind of started to be like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is interesting, yeah. to actually saying it to myself and being able to tell other people, there was a really long process that Very. happened there. But, um, but I, I remember somebody telling me that, at the end of the day, if you treat people well and 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 you um, are a, a kind, empathetic human in the world, mm-hmm. like like that that's what that's what what matters to most yeah. people. You know, I mean, this whole thing about like because there's a lot of fear around coming out of are people going to look at me differently? Are my exactly. guy friends going to look at me differently? You know, there's exactly. like so much that, that goes into that. But I think really coming back to just how do you show up for other people? Um, Mm-hmm. And letting that kind of be the, yeah, the way through it, I think is is well, powerful stuff. And frankly, I think you know you alluded to it. If a lot of the way that you've treated people and respected people leading up to publicly announcing something or publicly telling people something, mm-hmm. very much so influences the way people respond when you yes. when you announce something like that. as we kind of start to wrap up here, I, I, I'm curious, you know, what I talk about a lot on this podcast is, is very mental health related. Do you, do you have something or, or do you have things in your life that really help you take care of your mental health? I know you talked about therapy, um, but are, are there things that you have found really helpful to kind of take care of yourself in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> this one's obviously very unique, but the sunshine for me is huge. Um, you know, part of my injury, unfortunately, is I can't control my body temperature. Um, so I'm always cold, you know, the main reason I left Minnesota, I couldn't handle the winters in my chair because it was just too uncomfortable for my body. Um, but for me moving to LA and being able to be in the sun, you know, I, I wake up every morning, no matter how I went to bed and I'm freezing (laughs) cold. So to be able to get in the sun for me is so mentally, um, Hmm healthy but also just helpful for me to be able to warm up and get comfortable um so so for sure the the sunshine and just being outside in the sun is um is huge for me and i think that goes for other people whether they know it or not opposed to being in the rain or or the snow for a bit um but at the same time for me i think it's just 
just experiencing things with friends for me. Mm. It's a matter of just like living life and not, you know, it's so easy for me to just stay in my apartment and do nothing because mm. transportation is complicated or, you know, like I mentioned, I live in one area of LA, 85, 95% of my friends live over where, you know, our brothers live on mm-hmm. the other side of town. So, you know, there's plenty of excuses and, you know, obviously I'm guilty of it at times. I just choose not to or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But those moments are so valuable for me mentally because to them, it's just another day. But for me, it's so important because, you know, my living situation is different because of my injury. So I don't yeah. get to experience the everyday just banter, you know, conversations yeah. with friends, you know, same thing when I was in college um, in, in the frat that both of our brothers and, and myself were in is I didn't live in it. So those mm-hmm. moments are just more important to me because it's a sense of normality. And obviously um, a lot of this relates to paralysis, but yeah. it continues because, you know, after announcing that I'm gay, to have the same type of things where the relationships and the friendships don't change um, and you're just the same person because you are. Um, I think that goes a long way for me. What, what do you want to say, Jack, to, to anybody out there who um, is listening to this and finds themselves in a, a similar place where, where you were in the closet yeah. learning to embrace this, this part of who they are? Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is go at your own pace. For yeah. me, it was, you know, I wasn't ready you know, when I first realized it. And I had a lot of mental work to do to be able to accept it. And then it was to be able to tell someone, to be able yeah. to tell who I trusted, um, not go at your own pace. And then, I mean, at the same time, for me, it was like, talk to someone who you trust. And whether that's, you know, reaching out to me on social media or that's talking to your best friend or talking to your parents. Um, the The first thing I did was tell someone who I felt I knew would accept me. Yeah. You know, and whether that's, you know, you have like super conservative parents who you don't know yeah. if will or not. You know, for me, it was building a community behind the scenes that I felt I knew would accept me for who I was. Um, And after that, I think everything kind of takes care of itself in terms of how you move forward. But it was, for me, it was go at your own pace. Don't rush anything. And then two, um, talk to the people you trust that you feel, you know, won't treat you any different. Have you had people reach out to you on social media? Yeah, there's been a few people and, you know, it it means a lot that someone wants to reach out and trusts me or, you know, wants to try to get an understanding. And, you know, again, the same thing happened to you and the same thing happened for me. I did the same thing. Um, You know, I reached out to multiple people. Obviously, I talked about talking to Lucas and there were other people down the road. But, um, you know, it means a lot that someone wants to go to you to talk about something that they um, obviously have a lot of fear about, but at the same time, most importantly, um, you know, that they trust you to, to help them with yeah. their, their process. Yeah. 
Well, Jack, I, I can't thank you enough for um, for taking the time to, to chat and just being so open about your story. I know it's going to help people out there. Um, I think in, in ways that you will never fully understand, right? That, yeah. That you you being being transparent about this will it'll it'll help a lot of people. And so I, um, thanks for the time. Well, yeah, I greatly appreciate it, Brian. And you know, you you just hope to to make the the world and the life a, a little bit easier for the next person obviously going through what you and I have been through and um, mm-hmm. you know again uh, thanks for having me on and um, anytime once again uh, a big thank you to Jack for taking the time to connect and chat such an honor and and just really really enjoyed being able to connect with him and, and I hope that you all enjoyed the conversation as well. Uh, I'm going to link to a few things here in the show notes. Uh, first of all, the Jack Jablonski Foundation website. Encourage you to go check that out. Uh, doing such amazing work there. Uh, it's jablonskifoundation.org. Also, I'll be sure to link to, to his social media accounts here in the show notes. And uh, follow along if you aren't already. And, and of course, you can go back and read the, the full post that he put out uh, earlier in September, officially coming out. Just, just beautiful words from him. So as always, my friends, encourage you to, to take what serves you from this conversation. Go ahead and leave the rest. And uh, we, we journey ahead together one moment at a time. We'll talk soon. If you or someone you know is struggling and in need of help, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK.